We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mavs fans, welcome to another episode of Pod Maverick After Dark. I'm Kirk Henderson, joined by Josh Bowe. It's a little before 9 o'clock on February 27th. The Dallas Mavericks just lost uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the longest buzzer beater in NBA history. Josh, what's it like? To Second be- longest, Kirk. Excuse me. Okay. okay. Don't you dare do that to Devontae Graham, former Kansas Jayhawk, one of my favorite players. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't okay. I thought somebody, I thought I really honestly thought I saw longest. So the Mavericks fell 121 to 119. Um, Max Struess buried five threes in the final, what was it, four minutes? Three yeah, minutes? about four minutes, four or five minutes. Four or five minutes of a game after the Dallas Mavericks had taken um, a commanding lead. Yeah, they're up 10. They're up 10 uh, after really one of the, um, We'll get to this in due time, but really like like a beautiful possession of role players with Maxi Kleba busting his ass to get an offensive rebound, passing the ball out, getting the ball back, and burying a three to really what felt like seal the game for the Mavericks. And um <laughs> it didn't. And so you know, we had a little bit of time. Like my Twitter feed is just a mess because it's like you get people responding. Well, people to are mad, as they should people be. Are mad, as yeah. They, yeah. And I think this game is like a Rorschach test. Is that what you is that how you say? A, yeah, Rorschach. Yeah. yeah whatever the friggin' ink blob. Ink this is this is like <laughs> this is the the game that if you have a beef with the Mavericks, uh, let's say it's um, Let's say it's the end of game play calling or realistically what turned into an elaborate game of my turn, your turn, where Kyrie Irving um, attempted to make up for mistakes. Let's say it's the NBA officiating, which was um, I cannot wait to see the last two minute report on this game. That's going to be a riot. Let's say it's um, head watcher Jason Kidd. Uh, let's say it's inbound plays where Luca gets the ball going away from the basket again. Let's but it worked. Say, well, I mean, it worked because the, I know. We're gonna, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's say it's, um, I mean, Josh Green doing Josh Green things. Let's like, it was really a remarkable game of one thing, one thing. Makes a difference. Tim Hardaway Jr., defensive stopper. Shout out Bob Sturm. Um, if that's a thing, like one thing makes a difference in this game. That that's kind of what I'm settling on. And the and the Mavericks walk away with a win, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, 
how many things happened when they went up 10 to end the game where if that one thing did the opposite, uh, they win the game. Right. Like, like Kyrie walking out of bounds. Like, for example, yeah. he was so mad. And here's the thing. He was wrong. Like Tim Hardaway threw him the ball while he was in bounds and he walked out of bounds. Right. If Luca and Tim Hardaway switch better on one of the the two threes where they had to switch onto Struess, maybe Struess misses. Um, I don't know, man. Like, frankly, where do you, want to, where do you even want to start with this? I think, like, do you gotta, want... I think we got to start from the end and work backwards because the the end <clears> of the <throat> game was really, really insane. Luka Doncic gets the ball on an, on the same horrid inbound design where he's getting the ball going away from the basket at the opposite corner two cavaliers screw up going for it lucas slides in between them and everybody thinks he's going to shoot it everybody thinks he's going to shoot it you can tell the whole Cavs defense thought he was going to shoot it because there's only eight seconds left he gets into the lane with about four seconds remaining and leaves a beautiful dump off pass to pj washington who glides it over the rim while getting fouled for a no call. Then Max Struess gets the ball in the inbounds. There's about two seconds left, takes two hard dribbles, gets probably, I don't know, within eight feet of the half-court line, lets it fly. Luca was there, and honestly, man, I don't know what you, I'm curious as to your thought. When I saw the shot, like just the way the shot came off his hands, I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> as soon as it left his hands, I was like, that's in <laughs> it's a beautiful like like it yeah shooters have really distinct like good shooters have distinct form and like he was just on one at that point after hitting the previous four i don't even know if Struess is a good three-point shooter this year um Not this year <laughs> he's he entered he pretty good he's pretty good in miami yes he was good in miami but this season he's shooting i think 33 percent entering this game he was yeah. seven of ten tonight. yeah and he just like it the way it comes off his hands it's like oh, fuck. oh yeah He's a good shooter. That's been like yeah. a thing with Cleveland. Like they don't understand why he's not making shots. He's still been like useful for them because he's got the. Well, maybe he'll start making shots after that thing. Yeah, the the he because the gravity and the volume matters. Like he's still a threat. Uh, but yeah, that's been like a storyline for the Cavs all season. Is like, why is he not making shots? Right, so, and yeah. like the, the the secondary thing is is like Luca was there. And so, you know, decent basketball strategy with two and a half seconds left is don't foul, contest the shooter. Maybe the Mavs could have been up a little tighter, but you don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think they had a foul. Um, there's a little bit of confusion on that, but ultimately I don't really care. Like I don't uh, want to focus on the one possession. It's but, a 59-footer. <laughs> and then you back up from that and there was... And please, you watched all this while while we were getting ready, you know, because we were, we were trying to get ready for this. And before that, they're at the 24-second mark when the Cavs had gone up on a – and you didn't see this, but um, who's the Cavs center? What's wrong with me? Jared Allen. Jared Allen, I'm pretty sure, did one of the most amazing Gortat screens for a three-pointer that I've ever seen. I mean, we're talking, and you didn't see this, but I expect, like, go back and look look at this after the game. He gives a two-handed shove to Maxi that yeah, I did see it. pushes him back length. Like, that was an offensive foul. It just was. And then on the screen, destroys Josh Green. Like, I've been really harsh on Josh, and he was actually pretty bad this game defensively. But on that play, he gets over the top of the screen while just getting broadsided by Jared Allen. And, uh... Donovan Mitchell hits a a you know a, a 30 foot bank shot. Like the the, the Cavs are up um at that point. Uh Kyrie takes the ball down and then scores a quick two-pointer and then at that point there's 24 seconds left there's a timeout. So the 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 Cavs don't have to get another shot up. And for some reason the, there's a timeout called by the Cavs. So the Mavericks have time to set their defense, to set their defense and let everyone know what the plan is. <laughs> and then the Cavs get the ball in and I don't know how to describe the ensuing 14 seconds because the Mavericks probably had a plan to go for a steal, but they didn't cover the guy in the deep back court, which doesn't make any sense to me. They get the ball into the front court and proceed to do some soft doubles, which every single attempt there over that 14 seconds looked like a non-called foul. What did you think? 
Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't thinking that because it didn't look like they were trying to foul. And, you know, I mean, we've watched. But they were still fouls. Like, like at that point, when you're body bumping somebody and reaching for the ball, one of those over a over a 10 second span is going to get called. And it just wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. But it didn't look like the Mavs wanted to get called for like because the refs are looking for like the intentional foul. And it looked Mm -hmm. like they were almost giving the Mavs a break, like because the Mavs were trying. I'm assuming the strategy was double go for a steal jump ball whatever and then foul but i don't so much time went off the clock so much and they they had a foul to give and you've got to foul at that point but they didn't and then what happened was one of the more bizarre like second (laughs) and a half that you'll see in an nba game where was it donovan mitchell or was it um darius i think it was garland garland had the ball and basically josh green channels his Dante DiVincenzo from the other night against the Pistons and just like I mean he kind of levels him yeah <laughs> like he, he it's like a tackle that's not a tackle and Mavs fans are kind of uh which includes us but I mean I watched it again there was no jump ball however Garland goes to the ground and rolls around right it's either a foul or a travel that's a fucking travel I just I watch YMCA basketball with seven-year-olds every week you like you cannot roll on the ground. They emphasize that from very early on, and there's just nothing. They get a timeout called after he goes from I'm pretty sure being on his front to rolling over onto his behind yeah. while trying to keep the ball away from Josh. And at that point, they call a timeout, and like you can see, kid is just like I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of folks in the in the chat that are like you can't you can't blame this on kid. Look, we'll get to kid. But there's just no more perfect visual than him standing right there with his hands in his pockets. It it drives me it drives me crazy. <laughs> anyway, they call that timeout. The Mavericks then play some great defense on the inbounds. And and I'm pretty was it Green who knocked it off, Garland? Yeah. yeah. And Green basically comes up with a great, great flesh off, and that leads to the the aforementioned uh uh play. Because again, we're working backwards here, guys. Uh, but then before that, before, you know, before the, the Donovan Mitchell bank three, before all this, the Mavericks had gone up 10 and now I'm going more linearly. I don't even know how to describe this. Can, can you kind of walk through what happened with the four Max Struess threes? Yeah. So I think that's going to be, that's to me, you know, the crazy part of the game is a crazy part of the game. We could talk about that. We could talk about, you know, that part of the game is like more exasperating if you're a Mavs fan more than like this is like trouble because that was just wild I don't know if you can like take how much you could take from from like the final 30 seconds other than that was some wild shit um but the struce like that's the part that's the meat and potatoes of this collapse that I think is some is meaningful like there's something to this uh and it's kind of what the Indiana Pacers did to the Mavericks on Sunday where they were basically like, let's get the Mavericks' worst defenders on the floor involved in some actions. Because Lucas started those possessions guarding Struess, and the Cavs basically took whoever THJ's man was and let Struess screen for that Cav player, so screening THJ. And I don't know what the Mavericks' defensive plan was because THJ looked like – Luca looked like he was switching – and Tim looked like he was maybe trapping or or trying to hedge because he was not uh, he was not switching like Luca was switching and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. was not. So I don't know which one's right, which one's wrong. Sure, but I think the key thing is the Cavs. I think the Cavs very deliberately were like, let's let Luca and THJ make defensive decisions. Yeah, yeah. And, and can That's we? The can, thing. Can That's the thing. Ass- we should make an assumption here. We should make an assumption here. THJ was supposed to switch. I feel pretty fucking confident in that. Knowing one. how the Mavs like to play defense, that is, I would that say. Is, yeah. Yeah. So, so THJ was supposed to switch, which then begs the question. Okay, so you got four. Four made threes. And they're all, almost two of them are on those switching actions with Luka mm-hmm. and THJ. Uh, wait, I think, and then one's in transition, which is Mavs bad in transition defense. Always, yeah, forever. Uh, and then the the, uh, the fourth one was Luca gets screened, and there's just there's nothing, there's no help. Like Luca gets screened, like Maxi doesn't try to brush the screener, like the the shooter coming out. Like there's just no, there's zero communication. Like it's Luca running into a screen and shoots his wide. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So 
Two of but, them are involving THJ and Luca, but it's pretty clear. Like the Cavs saw Luca on Struess, and like this wasn't like there's. I think there's a desire from the fan base to be like, ah, oh, what are you gonna do? Struess kind of just went on a heater, and yeah, you could say that, especially on you know losing on a 59 footer at the buzzer. But I don't think it's a coincidence that the Cavs saw the who was guarding Struess and who was who else was on the floor. And thinking, let's involve these guys yep. in the decision making. That's a tactical because that's what happened against Indiana. The Cav, the the Pacers got Luca, Kyrie, and Tim Hardaway in motion, in rotation, in the blender, forcing them to scramble, make decisions because they don't want to go against PJ Washington or Derek Lively or Josh Green. Like they want Luca to make a decision. They want THJ to make a decision. Like they want those guys. To figure it out. Max Struz's threes. Let's be. Let's just be clear of this. Max Struz's four threes were over the span of sixty-seven seconds. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, sixty-seven seconds. So the first <laughs> one uh, comes after a Kyrie Irving layup off a, a nice play from Maxi. Um, he goes down and drills three. Then Kyrie steps out of bounds. Which he did. He stepped out of bounds. Like that was a Kyrie mistake. Yeah, THJ inbounded the ball to him. They obviously either there was a miscommunication. There was a miscommunication but, from those two in, in some form. It was a mistake. Like like I, 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 that's not a refs thing. I'm thinking about. No, that's not. That's not a refs. Four thing. seconds later, Max Drews hits a three. Where at that point it's one ten one oh six. Mark Falls having a cow. Kyrie goes down, drills a three. Rebut gives the Mavs that seven point lead again. 20 seconds later, Struess hits a really deep 28 footer from Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell assists on three of the four out of these. Then at this point, this was when, so those three happen within 45 seconds of one another. All three of those Mavericks are up 113, 109. This was the time. This was the time where you call a timeout. Unfortunately, Kyrie is kind of pretty pissed off at himself. I've very rarely seen Kyrie kind of this sort of vexed on the floor. He's usually very, he's not like he's out of control. He's mad. He's he's cool and collected. Yeah, he was, he wanted, he wanted to make up and he wanted, like he was uh, stepping up to the challenge, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He goes down. um, uh, Also shout out uh, up here, up here now and later for the, for the quick tip. And then we had a tip earlier that I saw from from Henry. um, from Henry. So shout out to Henry for those tips. Really appreciate that sort of thing. So at that point you're up four. Um, the, the it's three minutes left and the next dead ball. I'm pretty sure is the, is, is a timeout. I could be wrong, but it's under three minutes. Like a kid didn't have the use it or lose it timeout, I guess, uh, which is normally like our joke in here. So Kyrie goes down and sort of forces up a shot. Um, doesn't go. And then Max Struess comes down and hits the fourth three. And at that point, that point over is, is when kid calls the timeout. And at that point is when he elected to get Josh green back in the game. Now there is some very, and again, I'm talking too much. Josh is a better analyst, but there's, there's a lot of back and forth with people about Tim's ability. I stick with you in the sense of at that, after the second three and particularly the third three, you have to, as a coaching staff, understand the Cavs see something, even if it is just within 45 seconds. Call a timeout and please get, please get, you know, um, Hardaway out of there. Again, that's just one, you know, we've already been over a number of the things where this game could have gone differently. That's one of them that I think that whole stretch is, is probably the one that we're going to focus on the most as a fan base. What do you think? Yeah, that was bizarre, um, especially when it was, I mean, again, it was deliberate, like two, they basically went back to back possessions. I mean, it was basically three straight possessions where they went, oh, Lucas guarding Struess, we're going to involve him in some motion, like with mm-hmm. THJ twice in a row, then the out of bounds play uh, where he, Allen screens Luca, and no one helps, like just no communication. Um at, at that point, you would think you would want your best defenders on the floor. Um, when you're trying to nurse a 10-point lead in the final minutes, um, 
I'm not sure why you need Kyrie, Luca, and Hardaway on the floor at the same time because usually you want those three on the floor when you are trying to score some points. And when you have a 10-point lead with four minutes left, you do not need to score that many more points to win the game. You just uh-huh. need some stops. So yeah. I'm baffled by that decision-making towards the end, um, regardless of if it came after a timeout or not. There were dead ball opportunities as well. Like it's not like he needed to call a timeout necessarily to get Green back in the game. Cavs had some turnovers. Uh, I mean, there was a dead ball before Struess made the third three pointer uh, off the inbounds play off the baseline. Like that could have been an opportunity to get Green back in the game. I'm not saying that changes anything necessarily. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was. I don't know what the goal was when you get a ten point lead, three fifty seven left, uh, and you're keeping your kind of offensive geared lineup on the floor. I just, that was a little confusing because as much as I have defended Tim Hardaway Jr. in the past, make no mistake, every time I defend him, it's because I think that his his shooting and his volume shooting and gravity and spacing is really important on a team that doesn't have a lot of high volume three-point shooters outside of Luka and Kyrie. The Mavericks, when you're up 110, 100 with 357 left, you do not need volume three point shooting. Yep. You do not need uh, gravity and spacing. Obviously, you don't just want to punt every possession after that, and you still want to score some baskets, but I don't know. That was weird. Um, I can't help but wonder um, if you look at the box score, uh, Green was a minus 11 and Hardaway was a plus 10. We have said over and over again that in-game box score plus minus is a faulty stat. I think me and you know enough that and this isn't just a Mavericks thing, but like uh-huh. coaches will look at that and they will make decisions based off that. Uh, I know Rick Carlisle did it. Uh, he always, one of the first things he would bring up in post-game pressers when I used to go and cover the games, yep. he would he would talk about plus minus. He would look at he would literally look at the box score and look at a plus minus. Uh, and 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 talk about it. And so he absolutely was paying attention to that in game. Yep. Not saying the coaches did uh, in this instance, but I just wonder if kids saw that or if someone on the coaching staff saw that and was like, okay, well, let's ride with Tim. We've been winning his minutes. Josh, we've been losing his minutes. Let's keep him on the bench. Not saying great... that's what happened. I'm just, I just wonder. If I, I like. I always read out comments because I just can't help myself. Shout out to Black Noir for saying we won't talk about Kid as we're fucking talking about Jason Kid. <laughs> Stellar listening. Put on those listening ears, champ. Um, God. <sighs> so yeah, I just think. I don't know. It's like the last thirty seconds was chaos. But really, the way that the Cavs kind that of that game was lost at the four minute mark. Yeah, I mean they, yeah. I, I I think there's the way I would describe this. If you're because I'm more media than fan right now, so I'm yep. not like steaming. I'm mad. fan. I am pissed. You were mad. Yeah, <laughs> you could be mad for me. So I apologize if people in the chat want me to like have like a bloodlust for this game. Um, I think if you're a fan, you should be mad because this that is a crappy way to lose a game blow a 10 point lead with four minutes left you lose on a 59 foot shot at the buzzer um i never want to tell fans how to feel uh, necessarily obviously there's sometimes there's overreaction and things like that but well usually team, it's my fault let's be <laughs> but when a team but when a team loses a game like that you're allowed to be mad like that's the whole point of being a fan oh, yeah, yeah. you should be pissed off but i haven't i haven't hurt like this after a game in a long I know. time that's yeah that was a tough one I, but i would say you know the way the game ended the last 30 seconds i wouldn't be fearful of that being having anything like a lingering effect the one thing i will say is that we are now two games in a row and i think the Mavs are going to be fine they play toronto tomorrow uh toronto is not great although they're playing better but that's that's i would imagine there's no better scenario than those guys want to play right away and flush this game and beat up on a bad team so that's what they do tomorrow but what i'm going to say is this is two straight games now against two good teams Pacers are a good team. Cleveland's, I mean, good Lord, they might be, they might finish the second seed in, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're really good. They're playing really well. So two straight games against two a huge game for them. A yes, it was. Game for them. Yeah. The, the, the race for the second seed is huge because no one wants to play Boston in the second round of those top four East teams. So this matter, these games really matter for these guys, for the, the two through four teams in the East. So what I'm trying to say, I know I'm, I'm, I'm really rambling. No, I love this. Is, this is two straight games against two good teams, 
And the strategy, while differing a little bit, the overarching story is we are going to isolate your worst defenders and we are going to make them make decisions. We're not necessarily going to, you know, isolate's a bad word, by the way, because uh, they're not ISOing, because the Mavericks are actually pretty good switching and going one on one, you know, defending one on one. But what they're clearly doing is they're like, we are going to make your below average defenders make decisions. Like, that's the best way I can sum it up. That's what the Pacers did. You watch weaknesses. Yeah. They're, you know, teams are starting to realize I don't think we want to go after Derek Lively or PJ Washington or Josh Green or Maxi Kleba. When you've got Luca and Kyrie and sometimes Tim Hardaway Jr., all three of those guys on the floor at the same time. You can't why, play those three guys at the same time. Like, why would you do it? A good why would you know you can do it against bad teams, but if you're playing Cleveland, you're playing Indiana. I mean, they got away with it against Phoenix. Uh, I thought Tim they didn't get a lot of burn until later in the game. Did you notice yeah, that? I did. Green played 29 minutes despite not yeah. playing most of the fourth and, quarter. And Green hurts his elbow, which yeah. I mean, <laughs> how many times is he gonna hurt his elbow? I, guys, guys, I, look, look. I I played basketball till I was in my mid 20s, pretty com- you know regularly competitively. I have never ever seen anyone hurt their elbow like this guy hurts his elbow now he came back in which i was really pleased yeah. about but when he jammed it on that dunk i was like oh no because that's what resulted in in, in um in tim's minutes i really believe this like i because like, how many minutes let's see here how many minutes did did um tim the, play 26 josh green no fourth finished, quarter but, minutes no just total minutes josh green finished with 29, 29 minutes okay he actually played quite a bit he played five minutes in the fourth, and Tim played nine. And, Tim played and almost the entire fourth quarter. Did you see what before this? We're just meandering now, and I need to take a, a quick break here. But yeah, we do. Can someone tell me what Jaden Hardy played five minutes and took four shots? How is yeah. that possible? Getting him up, man. Because <laughs> I think he knows that dude is not playing a lot. He needs. He knows he has to make uh, the most of his opportunities. He's averaging eleven minutes per game in February when he's getting in the game. Getting him, he's averaging 11 minutes per game in in February. He's averaging six shots. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay, that's like a shot a minute. You know, he's getting a shot every two minutes, basically. Guys, we're 25 minutes into this beast, and I haven't (laughs) shilled yet. So while all of you are here, if you could do me a favor and go ahead and like the stream, leave a comment on the video. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I forgot to mention this the other day because it was during a loss. We hit 2,500 subs, which I'm really, really pleased with. I set that arbitrary asinine goal of 5,000 before the year. That's not really possible because we don't do enough stuff on socials to like juice up some of our stats. But I'm really grateful for those of you who have subscribed. And if you could consider doing that, if you're here for the first time today, I would appreciate it. Those of you listening on audio feeds, please leave a review. Uh, that is very helpful to Josh and I. And again, if you want to send me an email, my email's out there. I always like talking basketball with people. Now we're going to pause for a brief break in the podcast uh, for ad insertion, and then we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so I've, uh, there's a lot of other things we could kind of kind of talk about here, and I'm I, I I think we do have to pay homage to Luca's really. This game wasn't a game without Luca going nuts. This was like low quarter. key one of his best games like of his career. It felt like it was. So how many? I mean, God, what were his final stats? Forty five points um, on twenty nine shots, fourteen assists, nine boards, three steals. I thought he played better defense. One um, turnover by the way one turnover yes the mavericks won the turnover battles they had five cleveland had 16 uh, and they lost which is that's amazing um this is the second straight game where Kyrie was a bit like his stats look fantastic 30 points six rebounds three assists 12 and 24 his scoring came in flurries um, mm-hmm. his shooting was beautiful, but it, it, he had a kind of a rough start, started out three of 10 that, that kind of was, was part of the slow start for the Mavericks, but Luca sort of, you know, puts them on their back, brings them back 57 to 60 halftime. And then the Mavericks made it a game. Uh, we, we just had to acknowledge those two players, um, and, and, you know, what they contributed in their, in their time. Um, I thought this was one of PJ Washington's finest games so far. At one point, he was like team high plus twenty, maybe even higher than that, and then things went sideways. Um, I played a great was, defensive game. He really did. Part. Yeah. Uh, well, and then they got him involved offensively in ways that actually played to his strengths, where he wasn't just standing in the corner. Yeah, where he's rolling and doing cool stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, all right. So we've had some three really multiple people in the chat. Um, gosh, I love it. I love when people say criticism is hating. If you don't like criticism from, from, go find another show. This isn't the show for you. We talk about things even handedly. Good Christ. I'm, we've had a number of people in the chat ask a good question. And and I think it, it is a good question because it doesn't really make sense at first until you explain it. Could you walk us through why Daniel Gafford got virtually no minutes tonight? Oh, he got cooked tonight. Uh, the Cleveland made. Why is he getting cooked? Because the Mavericks have to play drop with him for the most part. Um, and Cleveland just was like, okay, uh, let's get him in the pick and roll and we're going to get any shot we want. Uh, they made <laughs> second quarter, which was where most of Gafford's minutes were. He played three minutes in the second quarter. Cleveland shot 11 of 15 from the floor, seven of 10 from three. They were, it was like, I mean, it was like a clinic involving Gafford in a screen. They get him defending air. Like he's not really defending anyone. And they're just picking out shooters like left and right. And and Donovan Mitchell's walking in to pull up three pointers. He was three or four from three in the quarter. Um, it was, it was a clinic and you and Gafford, like he's not a switcher. He's a really good athlete, but he's kind of, he's a big, he's a traditional big. Um, he does not have the feet of a Derek Lively. But that's okay because he's a different kind of big and he's your backup big. So I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but it, this was a matchup that was just not for him. You've got two really good pick and roll guards in Garland and Mitchell, two guards that are comfortable um, scoring out of the pick and roll and pulling up for that jumper. You've got shooters and Struess and Levert uh, and Yang that are that are totally cool making shots off movement. Like there were, they just had Gafford in the blender. Like he just wasn't really guarding. Anyone, and then you know, Allen and Mobley are really good finishers around the rim, and they're also really good passers. Mobley had a couple of assists on the roll uh, in that quarter. So yeah, like there was. I know people are really mad that Maxi played the five a lot of the second half, but with the way the cap, the Cavs were twenty of forty from three. I mean, the Maverick, they were the way they were bombing away. I don't know what Gafford would have necessarily fixed. Cleveland only had five offensive rebounds. Um, they only scored, oh boy, I just had, they only scored 42 points in the paint, which is below league average. Like this was not a game where the Mavericks were getting punished in the paint at the rim on the boards. They were getting punished from the perimeter and the way that Cleveland was kind of stretching them out and forcing their worst defenders to make decisions. And Gafford is just not equipped 
to defend a game. Do you think he's not equipped or do you think, or do you think he can't do it? Or you think there hasn't been enough practice and film session and sort of like putting him through the paces to do it? I'll say both because he's never been an impact defender before this, before he came to Dallas. But again, he's been playing for Washington for most of his career and Washington's not a good defense as well. But that like, that's kind of one of the things is he blocks a lot. He's been blocking a lot of shots, but he can kind of get taken advantage of at the basket or in the pick and roll. Um, but again, he's your backup center. So I don't think that's that big a deal. Like if he's not, you know, if your backup isn't playing well, like, like, uh, I understand Mavs fans might be frustrated because, you know, they did trade stuff to get him, but he's just another tool in the toolbox, so to speak. Like he is not your, your closer. You know, you would presume that you're either closing with Maxi in a small ball lineup or you're closing with Lively, who I think is a better defender, even despite the fact that he's younger than Gaffney. Did Lively re-break his nose? I don't know. I hope he didn't. He had an ice pack on it after the ball bounced off, uh, bounced right off his nose and the mask uh, in the second half, and he was definitely uh, in some discomfort there. So I'm I hope just... not. I don't know what they got to do. They need to put like a steel lining over <laughs> these guys' nose. I feel like everyone's breaking a nose every. What other are those? Day. Um, I think they're called like Halo. The, the the helmets that NFL players wear during training camp that are like extra huge. <laughs> yeah. Like we need to wear those. <laughs> yeah. It looks like what's his face from Spaceballs. Man. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, it's this is just this is one of these games where you know you go on a seven game win streak, and you go on a seven game win streak with certain things working, and then what was very important about the win streak is certain things weren't working, and they still won seven games in a row. Then you lose a couple of games. The Pacers game was was I mean they lost by twenty at the end, but they they had I, I still think if they had done a couple of things differently, they might have at least taken that game to crunch time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that really Carlisle like in hindsight because I watched it again, Carlisle baited the Mavericks in the <laughs> ISO ball. Like Luca scores a lot early, but there's no ball movement. Kyrie gets some great looks to go. There's not a lot of ball movement, then there's nothing in terms of offensive actions, almost the rest of the game. So it's like, that was frustrating. You lose that one, you go on. Can I, um, can I jump off that point? Yeah, yeah please because do. We are now three games in a row where the Mavericks scoring distribution has looked pretty similar and they're all three games out of the all-star break. So, you know, you talked about baiting Luca into ISO ball. So first game of the All-Star break, Phoenix, the Mavericks' top four scorers, Luka 41, Kyrie 29, P.J. Washington 12, Tim Hardaway Jr. 12, Maxi 7. Mm-hmm. Pacers game, top five scores, Luka 33, Kyrie 29, Josh Green 14, Tim Hardaway 11, Daniel Gafford 8. Now this loss against Cavaliers, top five scores, Luka 45, Kyrie 30, P.J. 11, uh, Derek Lively nine and Josh Green seven. That's three games in a row where Luca and Kyrie are not only your top two leading scorers, but you're far and away your top two leading scorers. Right, that's problematic. That's very old school and, Mavericks. And I'm, you know, I don't have the synergy data. You know, we don't have access to to that high level data, although we have friends that do, so maybe they can help us out. But Remember before All-Star break, Luca was the most blitzed player in the NBA in terms of doubles and on the pick and roll, the traps. I'm just talking off the top of my head here, but these last three games since the All-Star break, I have not seen that nearly to the same degree that we saw pre-All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if coaches got together or what. or the, you know, are not going to blitz this guy. <laughs> like we're going to let him score 40, and that's and we're going to trust that our defenders can let Maxi Kleba and Tim Hardaway Jr. and P.J. Washington and these guys not score a bunch of points and kill us. Because um, all-star break is the time when teams – like it's basically the only time teams get to practice outside of training camp. Yeah. Like, be real. It's the only time teams get to kind of look at what's working in a long regular season and be like, what can we do? What can we change? Look at what other teams are doing. Have you seen the Kyrie pick and roll at all since All-Star break? Not a ton. I did see a lot of it going into the break. Um, yeah. Surprisingly, I was actually going to write on it. Maybe I need to do a, a tale of two weeks or whatever because I, I feel would, like that's kind like, of vaporized. Like Kyrie in the short roll was disgusting. Oh, yeah. And he I, was screening I, for Luka and Luka was getting walk-up wide open threes and or mm-hmm. they were – they were doubled. Then they were doubling because they were just, they were freaking out and getting yeah. wide open corner threes. So, 
Yeah, we're we're three straight games now where it feels like everything is kind of top heavy. Not a lot of blitzing. The ball movement has been okay. Twenty four assists against Phoenix, fifteen assists against the Pacers, twenty three assists against the Cavs. I don't know what the Mavs assist number is for the season, but I feel like under twenty five assists for the Mavericks is low, and they've been that number three straight games. Um, why don't you filibuster? Because I want to look up and see how many assists they are averaging for season. Oh, what can I filibuster about? Right, I'm not even. I don't, no, no, it's fine. This is just. I've almost got I it. think like the Pacers game felt like one to sort of walk away from, and you you want to not overanalyze it too much. This is a game I'm actually okay overanalyzing because I think that some of the mistakes that occurred are are fixable, but then some of them are kind of rot you know you see a lot of the, the fans in the chat are very frustrated uh you know troll uh troll thug asks when is exum coming back it's, it's just wild that we're even asking that question it's a valid question it's wild that we're asking a question about like one of the last guys signed to the roster um uh, i've got the numbers okay go ahead um mavericks are averaging about just a shade over 25 assists per game for the season so okay. under their season average for three straight games one of those games, Pacers woefully under it. Um, this one, 23, you know, they're too off. But... I mean, and that, that means nine assists from non-Luka players. That is correct. Three from Kyrie. In the starting lineup, you had six total assists outside yeah. of Luka. Yeah. Um, you had three total assists from the bench. One of them was Jaden Hardy in five minutes. So um, they're... it's three games, so I don't want to say this is what it's going to look like every single game. But I would not be shocked if teams are like, you know what? I would much rather Luca look have to look like Superman in single coverage than give limited players open opportunities. You know what I mean? Like, I know that they're when you blitz Luca, it's like, ah, oh, we want anyone else to beat us but Luca. But also, it's like, what if you have PJ Washington against single? Like, are you that much? Are you scared of PJ Washington against single coverage? Are you scared? Josh Green against single coverage? Or are you more scared of Josh Green as a wide open corner three because no one's guarding him because they're guarding two guys on Luka or two guys on Kyrie? Like, I wonder if teams are like, you know what, these role players, even though they're better than they were before the trade deadline, I still would rather, you know, I wonder if these teams, like, I don't think P.J. Washington is going to score 20 against us. Which, I mean, if you're looking at Kyrie's root numbers, his numbers are still pretty dang amazing. And so oh, it, they're both of them, Luka and Kyrie, they, they've been shooting tonight and they lost. Yeah. And, and then again, it's not like they're, they're shooting. They've been efficient in yeah. all three of these games. So it's not necessarily that they're like taking bad shots uh, no, or taking I'm, shots I'm, away from people. It's just kind of the way they've been guarded and they need yeah. to counter. Yeah. But how do you counter? I don't know how you counter right now. Cause if, presumably it's, it's, it's what they did to get that 10 point lead. Um, mm -hmm. The stuff with PJ inside the I really did love the stuff with PJ and pick yep. and rolls going downhill like yep he got fouled a lot um he's got to hit his free throws um yep. if you're taking away the lively and Gafford pick and rolls the there are pick and rolls available like do the Mavericks need to go run more small pick and rolls like I don't like the pick it's not fair they work because Luca is an amazing isolation player but I get a little frustrated at the pick and rolls for switches that don't result in any other actions. I mean, I just feel like, and this has been a criticism. It's a criticism when they lose, when they win, we don't even talk about it, but I just feel like there's a lot of stale playmaking going on. Um, and part of that is, is the, the, the recipe, the process. Like if Luca is the game plan and that's what you're going to do, but I do feel like that there are ways that they can they can get other things other than like different ISO look, Luca looks where it's like oh well Luca's not going to dribble the ball up the floor this time but he's going to go post up at seventeen feet yeah and then this isn't this what it comes back to when it's like why are they so good on these out of timeout plays which they are the data is there yeah, yeah. and they're running this motion and movement and stuff and then they run their normal half court stuff and it's like wait where is this like why is there such a difference. And and I think you're seeing like when you're getting blitzed, when Luca's getting blitzed almost every time, like he was before the All Star break, you don't need a ton of sets because like the team is creating the advantage for you. It's just a matter of can those players 
you know, either make the open shot or make the right read when they catch the ball out of the open space. Like you don't necessarily need a bunch of motion and and off ball offense when you're when you've got two on the ball because the defense is already presenting you with an advantage. You just have to take advantage of it, um, so to speak. This, but so that now we're seeing they're not sending two to the ball. It's like okay, now you got to do something. You you gotta get these guys moving. You gotta get them in motion. You gotta run a set. You gotta get these guys going toward the basket. You gotta do something because now they're not blitzing, and it feels like the Mavericks these last three games have been like, okay, Luca Kyrie just. Do your thing, and that's it. And there's not a, there's not a backup plan to that. So so MJ Wilson makes a comment: heliocentric Luca. Yes and no, because the same stuff happens when Luke is on the bench. Like it happens the man, with Kyrie or, on the floor when yeah, he's running bench units. Where, yeah, where they're running like they're not running. You know, Kyrie's a point guard; he's a scoring guard too, but he knows how to run an offense. Yeah. I don't feel like they're running an offense. I feel like they run a high high. You know, a couple of double screens at the top of the key, and they see what comes out of it, and that's where this starts to get really interesting because yeah. Okay. Kyrie unbelievable playmaker, but why don't you have any easy button plays? Do you know what I mean? Like kid is, and I feel like they genius. have it because why, why do they get these easy buckets on all these out of timeout plays? Like mm-hmm. why don't, how does that not translate to more of that in the flow of a game? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This cowboy said it looks like rec ball and, and there are elements of that. And it's just, God, there was this amazing play that got broken down to nobody's business, basically screaming, why is Tim Hardaway on the floor? And it was this Pacers play happened in the last game. And a couple of like big NBA stat heads get involved with it to do a lot of film work. Seth Part now, other people. The way Carlisle overloaded the floor and basically broke the Mavericks defense into pieces is something that you don't see happening outside of Luka's individual brilliance. It is not like... I know he likes these high the, these these pick and rolls. I know he's very good at the isolation post ups, but there's got to be other things that you can do. There just has to be. I don't know. Yeah, no, there is, and and I think they haven't had to rely on it because again, they're getting blitzed. Luke is getting blitzed. You don't need to do it. Teams have countered, and I don't know if it's going to keep going, but. I mean, they're playing some pretty good because well, it's not going to work at certain points. Like they might blitz the Raptors by twenty-five points tomorrow night. Like yeah, next even best- if, yeah, the Raptors might switch and, and not blitz Luca at all, and this same stat line occurs, but the Mavericks win by twenty-five points. <laughs> like if Luca scores forty-five tomorrow, uh, they might win by fifteen. Like you know. next best step says, I wonder if if the Mavericks are deliberately holding aces up their sleeves for the playoffs. Is that a thing coaches do? Oh my God, yes. yes. Rick Carlisle like almost refused to spam the Kyrie KP. I'm sorry, the Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis pick and roll because it worked too well. Like coaches are terrified of stuff getting on tape too much because then uh, then they they figure out ways to to block it because that's what the NBA is. But the Luka Kyrie two man offensive rating, like when they're on the floor together, I'm pretty sure it's the best offense in the league. Full stop. I could be yes. wrong about this. I mean, I could look it up for you, but I'm going to, I could also take your word for it. Cause I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure. It, so, Man, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we should really hammer home from this game, because this, this game is one that should be picked apart a little bit more. Um, and I feel like we've done a pretty good job of it while acknowledging the things that, that did work. Um, they need Dante Exum back, which is so crazy. Which is like a worry because there's also like, well, this will be solved when Exum comes back. But it's also like, okay, but he's been hurt his whole career. <laughs> like, if you're relying on him, um, there's there's trouble with that. Um, I mean, look at this game. Look at the Cavs. The Cavs had uh, like Levert comes off the bench, plays 28 minutes, has six assists. Mavericks had three assists total from their bench. Like. Which getting getting assists from Karis Levert is such a bonus. Like that dude is is Tim Hardaway through a fax machine nine times. You guys I think know. that Hardaway sucks. Levert is bleh. But you look at the Maverick. Like since Exum's been hurt, like their backup point guard is Kyrie. Like it's Kyrie. It's staggering. Luca goes out. Kyrie stays on, and Kyrie runs the offense, which is fine. Like staggering. I just wish he had an is, offense to run. Yeah, that's yeah. That's they need to look at these three games and see what these teams are doing. Because, yes, it is really cool for your two best players to combine for 70 points every game. But when you're the rest of your team is basically combining for like 90 outside of that, like there's or not 90, definitely not 90. Not 90. That'd be great. 
they'd be the best team in the Pretty league. Good. Yeah, Pretty they're good. Good for for forty, let's say um, forty or fifty, forty-five. Uh, then there's there's some problems. Like that's not sustainable. Um, Luca played forty-one minutes. His usage was really high. So they, they just need to do. And and what like you said before we go, I want to bounce this off you because you've been bringing up the PJ point about him in space and and screening and doing stuff inside the arc. That's absolutely what they should be doing more of. And maybe that's a, that's a counter to how teams are guarding them straight up and switching and, and not blitzing. How do you think that they continue to utilize PJ like that? If they have one of lively or Gafford on the floor, because presumably that means PJ is rolling into someone, whether it's lively or Gafford standing in the dunker spot, so to speak. That's a good question. That gets back to the point that we just need him to hit like a corner three. <laughs> he hit a corner three tonight. Sure. And that's probably why Maxie's playing a lot too. If Maxie's the other big with PJ, he can roll into the lane all he wants because Maxie is more than capable of spotting up and spacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he only makes one three-pointer every three games, but I mean, it's still a thing at least. He's he's not in the paint at least. So nope. yeah, I, there's some... I, I think what I want to end with is obviously these two losses are not great, um, but they're not in trouble, but there are things to work on. Like there are things that this coaching staff, I think can identify on tape, hopefully knock on wood. Like it's like, it's feeling like there's stuff, there's, there's stuff to work on that they can, they can learn from. It's just now, are they going to learn from it? And are they going to let something like this linger? Um, Because basketball players are not robots. Like, they are pissed off. If they do not channel this energy in a good way, they could absolutely lose uh, to Toronto tomorrow. So, so we'll see. All right. I guess I'm going to do a live show because I think enough people want to chat. Oh, the um, people are going to want to chat. Yeah, we'll see. You know. Yeah. We'll see. Sometimes, um, sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Okay. We'll host a uh, little um, group therapy here, and we'll be back here in just a few minutes. Those of you who are listening on the audio stream, look for the group therapy probably around lunchtime tomorrow because the Mavericks play the Raptors tomorrow night, and we will be back um, probably not as early. I don't know, probably around the same time, 9, 9.30. We'll see where we go. Does that make sense to you? Makes sense to me. Bye, everyone. Have a good live show. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. Go Mavs. to what is now should be uh pod mavericks presents group therapy if i can find the correct overlay thanks so much for hanging out with me it is tuesday night 9 45 uh i'm kirk Anderson, editor-in-chief over at mavsmoneyball.com you're joining us after we had just done our initial recap show following the dallas mavericks uh, losing in really monstrously painful fashion 121 to 119 i'm sort of emotionally spent frankly, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. So in the comments, there is a link which should be penned. I attempted to pen it uh, where you can click on uh, that link and come join this show live and let me know what your takes on this game are. Uh, right now I got Brian waiting, but if anybody else wants to talk, feel free to um, to join in and tap in and we'll talk a little basketball. Hey man, what's up? Dude, uh, I'm kind of where you are i my skin was still crawling for like an hour after the game ended but yeah i think i've calmed down now i'm just god that that's up for a number of reasons mostly just because it didn't need to happen there were like eight different off ramps sure from this outcome mm-hmm. and we we just didn't take any of them so some of them were like 
blocked off before we could get there. Yeah. I mean, so there's like that's why I said in, in the in the other show, like if you have a bone to pick, I think the only like like for the whole season of like problems that keep coming up, I think the only bone you can't actually complain about is Luca taking all the shots in crunch time because I don't think he shot the ball after like the fight, like he took a really bad short three and then I don't think he shot the ball again. Everybody else. And that's, that's a normal complaint. Whenever things go sideways, like Luca needs to get anybody involved. He didn't even touch the ball, <laughs> but everything else from kids coaching to Tim Hardaway's defense to Tim Hardaway playing to, uh, it's just, it goes across the board. I mean, and then there were like the boneheaded mistakes. I mean, the Mavericks had how many turnovers? The Mavericks had a grand total of five turnovers and one of them was Kyrie walking out of bounds. Like, that's so bizarre. Yeah, dude. We had, like, I, I can I can run down the full list. We've got uh, Josh Green playing well and then just his elbow exploding or whatever again and, and being in and out of the game for, like, 20 minutes of game time as Cleveland was making their run. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. There's... God, there's so many things with kids. I just, I, I can't wait to be done with this shit. I'm just so tired now. For multiple know. reasons. I don't think he's going anywhere, man. I got some no, thoughts. I, it's like things have to really go sideways in the playoffs because it just, it feels like, it feels like that, that like this level of, of coaching works for the superstars. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm done just like hoping for him to be fired. It's not going to happen. I've, I've just got to hope for like, unconscionable things that I can't say on this podcast. And maybe if one of those comes to pass, mm-hmm. then we'll have a new coach, but they're not going to fire him. It's, it, it just is what it is. It's fine. I've, I won't say I've made peace with it. I've made something with it because yep. it just is what it is. The Tim, it like with Tim, I, I just, it's not even fully his fault. Not fully. Like he stinks. But he gave really good effort on defense in the third quarter. Right. Now, it will lead inquiring minds to ask, okay, why don't you just do this all game, especially when you're bricking? It's not like you contribute anything on offense. But played really well in the third quarter, even though he couldn't hit, you know, couldn't hit the ocean, you know, whatever that saying is. Uh, yeah, and then just the last – can't take him forever to call that timeout. Waiting until the fourth through three to call a timeout. That I mean, was it was, but it was over 45. Like, it was 67 seconds of game action. A minute and basically a minute and change in real time. And so, like, the hater in me wants to blame Kid for all. Like, I was mainly shocked not after the third one. The fourth one, it's because it, the second one, it happened in, like, 30 seconds. Then the third one happened, like... It's really easy to kind of to kind of quarterback this after the fact, but I, I I want to say I at least understand it if I don't agree with it. I would have understood it after. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think that not even because of like truth, there should have been a timeout called after that second three because he should have torn into Kyrie's ass for that turnover. Like him and him, like both of them should have got it. Like somebody needed to communicate better as to what was going on and who was taking the ball out. Like somebody needed to be held responsible for that in the moment. And who knows what happens after that? Probably nothing. They probably still give up the exact same shot. But when he calls him out, Josh came into the game. Which is good. And and was out. Right. And so maybe if that happened sooner, who knows? We don't know. The it was pointed out to me uh, by uh, one of my friends on Twitter that the last three, the one that happened in the corner, um, I attributed that to Tim because Tim was he was Tim's assignment at the time. Tim got screened, and the dude who was supposed to be trailing him to the corner was Luca, and he just doesn't have a foot speed to catch Stoops running at full speed to the corner. So I'll I'll give him a pass on that one. I'm like he tried to tell me no the third three he just like he got screened and it was like a dribble handoff. Whatever. That whole like, section, I, I, I don't like, care. That minute and a half is what everybody is going to scrutinize to death. I think. Yeah, it, but it's just so funny because like we also had we had Josh not get did, did he did he get called? No, he didn't get called for a foul for, uh, for tackling Darius Garland in half court. Uh, Donovan Mitchell having a chance to end the game with Luca on him on the left wing. And he just dribbles the ball off his foot or or Luca like swipes it away, whatever happens. Uh, just a lot of bad turnovers from Donovan Mitchell. He, he really had like 
Max Drews and that one three that he banked after Jared Allen played hockey and like threw Maxi Kleba and Josh within like five seconds of each other and didn't get anything called. But that three that he banked and then those Max Drews threes, they really saved him because Donovan had a terrible close to that game. And yeah. it just didn't matter. Like he he's playing like that. Garland is in absolute hell because he can't get anything going against DJ. Um, and yeah, man, it's it's, it's just it's, it's disappointing because we had all these things going our way. We kicked this team's ass until like four minutes left, and then it just all kind of evaporated. Yeah, the second half was the second half was really was a really nice, impressive kind of comeback. I was really pleased with the Mavericks' play. It was an enjoyable game. Um, I know that first quarter, or really, it was like parts of the the second quarter were pretty rough but then Luca went really nuts it was it was you know it was a lot of fun um it, it, this was a game you know I meant to talk about this with Josh the Mavericks ha- Luca hasn't played in Cleveland for two of the past like for the past two years prior to this one once because of actual injury and then once because they set him and that was the game last year I don't know if you remember this where Kemba Walker sacrificed the rest of his knee only I think for the Mavericks to lose anyways yeah. Um, and Luca just they sat Luca, which like I've always found that very frustrating because if I'm a Slovenian Mavericks fan or a Slovenian Luca's fan, Luca fan, that's one of the biggest. I think it might be like the greater Cleveland area might be the biggest uh Slovenian population in America, particularly in the Midwest for sure, or at least where there's you know, mm-hmm. and so it just felt very frustrating to me that they sat Luca in a game where it's like some of his biggest supporters could be it was really great to see him have an incredible game tonight only for the Mavericks to kind of waste it you know somebody point uh somebody pointed out in the chat here Luca turns 25 tomorrow um I don't know this is you're gonna have tell me this this is the most painful loss of the season right kind of this season this season I can't really think of many that like had me coming in here like hot and heavy and like burn it all down I mean I'm sure I have like they've lost. Oh, oh no! I, I I can think of a couple. They're, what am I missing? They might not be worse than this, but they're right there. They could be worse than this. That first Denver loss in the playing game. No, no, uh, I meant this season. Oh, oh, not 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 playing. I'm sorry. Uh, for the start of the in season tournament. Okay. That okay. With, 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 the, with the shitty court. Uh, Denver's that, just so damn good. It's hard to be super pissed about that. And that's where the next one comes in. That second Pelicans game, yeah, that was bad. When they sat every fucking body, and Lucas still slapped. got his ass kicked by Herb Jones. Yeah, that was that, bad. Yeah, that that might still be. That was frustrating. That, that because, it, but it's like in terms of like sheer rage, though, and like, oh, this one has to be number one. For yeah, me. no, yeah, this one Memphis was, loss, like one of the Memphis losses was terrible. We lose in Memphis twice. Some of these losses are pretty stupid, but this the Memphis loss where Kyrie me. was playing like a G League player that that one legitimately had me seeing red. But like I was so white hot mad after this game, like I responded to you on a tweet that I literally like only read half of it. Like I missed the word because <laughs> I was just I, I legit I, I was not seeing everything in front of me. Both cats got like every other word. That that yeah. to, to, uh, Mr. Garcia points out in the chat the, the, the first Cavs game where they were down like they twenty point comeback that was horrendous. Well, yeah, but TJ, like at least they that's a game where we just got our ass kicked by a better team. I, like yeah. I was mad about that, but I'm not as mad as I am about like because sure. we had this game in hand and we had this game one, right? And all of a sudden we didn't. And then there's so many things you can look back on and be like, well if this didn't happen if this didn't happen maybe if Kyrie like showed up to the game in the first half like we're not even having this discussion yep. like and I tweeted about that before the game uh because I, I think like the first quarter and a half I missed because I was at the grocery store and I was like can we just please not do the thing where Kyrie just can't do shit in the first half and then comes back and stores 18 in the fourth and we pretend that he had a good game because then that'll be two games in a row Sure. And that's precisely what happened. And he he was stellar in the fourth and like you know, midway through the third. Like his runs were needed, but yep. we also needed him in the first half. Yep. So that's that's something for like an actual offensive coach to figure out. We don't have one of those. So maybe two seasons from now. All right. Well, it doesn't look like anybody else wants to chat tonight. So I think I'm going to close this one out early, which is fine. You know, sometimes people just want to go away. It's very funny. Our views in our last podcast were half of the previous win. Um, and that's just, uh, we lost, we, 
<laughs> Somebody said we lost to Toronto already too. Uh, it's a good I, <sighs> look, dude. I I, I didn't want to say we anything. did lose. No, I think he meant he meant we lost to them already this season. I read oh, that because yeah. we lost. To well, them to be fair, we lost already. we lost to them because Siakam kicked our ass. But I'm telling you, I can. If this team is anything like the team before the trade deadline, I can I can feel that L coming tomorrow. I can just feel it. I don't think they are though. No, I think they take care of business. But boy, if they do it, look, man. That's this one leaves up. a salty. This one leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Like this isn't yeah. an ass whooping. It is a collapse, and sometimes collapses are galvanizing. Yeah, this is less a ass whooping than like a heart attack as yeah. you're about to close the fight out. <laughs> Oh, God. All right, man. Well, everybody else, thanks so much for hanging out. This has been uh, just Kirk and Brian on Group Therapy. I'm just going to post this as one podcast and let everybody get it out of their system. No reason to uh, to waste their time. Um, everybody be good, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow night. Go Mavs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.